Welcome to 5 at 8. I'm Mark Overman. And this morning I'm joined by Linda Carlisle. It's Friday, November 3rd, 2023. In this episode, we will talk about evidence of large-scale warfare occurring in Europe 1,000 years earlier than previously thought, the Bank of Japan's plans to exit its ultra-easy monetary policy, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's conversation with Elon Musk on artificial intelligence, Russia's largest artillery attack on Ukraine this year, and NASA's surprising discovery during its flyby of the asteroid Dinkanesh. Stay tuned for the latest news of the day. Story number one. Researchers have discovered evidence of large-scale warfare occurring in Europe 1,000 years earlier than previously thought, as reported by The Guardian. The reanalysis of skeletal remains in Spain, dating back 5,000 years to the Neolithic period, suggests that conflicts took place before powerful states formed in the region. The study found a high percentage of damaged bones, particularly in males, indicating a period of conflict that may have lasted months. The findings challenge the previous belief that early societies lacked the logistical capabilities for longer and larger-scale conflicts. The reasons for the conflict remain unclear, but it is speculated to have been caused by tensions between different cultural groups in the region. Should we look at this discovery, mate? It's like the plot of a prehistoric action movie, isn't it? We're talking about a time when the wheel was cutting-edge technology, yet there's evidence of organized, large-scale warfare. The sheer logistics of managing a conflict over months, possibly years during that period, is mind-boggling. It's like we're peeling back layers of time and finding these incredible stories etched in bones. What strikes me is the significant disproportion of injuries among males, which speaks volumes about gender roles during that era. It seems the burden of conflict was carried primarily by men. Yeah, you're right, Linda. It does raise questions about societal structures and roles during the Neolithic period. The discovery of the flint arrowheads, some with damage from hitting a target, that's hard evidence of conflict, not just random acts of violence. It's a clear indication of a more structured form of conflict, which challenges our pre-existing notions of societal capabilities at that time. It's fascinating, and slightly sobering, to think that humans have been waging wars for so much longer than we previously thought. I hear you, Linda. It's a stark reminder of our history as a species. But it also highlights the importance of continually reassessing and reevaluating our past, based on new evidence. And it makes you wonder, doesn't it, about what other stories are waiting to be unearthed from the depths of time. That's a profound thought, Mark. Archaeology truly is a field that keeps reminding us of our collective past, and how understanding it is crucial for our present and future. This discovery is not only about rewriting history, but also about learning from it. Story number two. Bank of Japan Governor Kazuo Ueda plans to continue dismantling the central bank's ultra-easy monetary policy and aims to exit the accommodative regime next year, as reported by Reuters. However, this plan is risky and dependent on good fortune due to global uncertainties, such as the Middle East conflict, concerns about the U.S. economy, and China's growth trajectory. Ueda will gradually move towards an exit while maintaining dovish rhetoric, and he has already started phasing out the previous stimulus measures. Ueda will be cautious about triggering a spike in bond yields, and will prioritize leaving policy easy to overcome decades of deflation. The BOJ's next focus is to end its negative interest rate policy and push short-term rates to zero. The likely timing for this move is spring next year, 
The BOJ may retain a loose pledge to intervene in the market if bond yields rise abruptly. However, there are concerns that the BOJ may not have enough time to exit due to the risk of sharp yen falls and an inflation overshoot. Good morning, Linda. This news about Bank of Japan's Governor Kazuo Ueda planning to dismantle the central bank's ultra-easy monetary policy is quite an intriguing one. It seems like a delicate balance between maintaining the current dovish stance while gradually introducing policy changes. What's your take on it? Good morning, Mark. Yes, it is indeed a complex situation. As we know, the BOJ has been maintaining an ultra-loose monetary policy for quite some time now, with the aim of achieving a sustained 2% inflation rate. Now, with inflation exceeding that target for over a year, it seems that Ueda is considering a shift towards a more neutral policy stance. Right. And this transition isn't without its risks. There's a potential for a bond yield spike that could upend the BOJ's plans for a soft landing. How does the BOJ plan to navigate this? That's a great question, Mark. There's definitely a tightrope to be walked here. UEDA's approach seems to be one of gradualism. He has been phasing out the Kuroda-era stimulus starting with the removal of a commitment to keep rates at low levels, which seems a prudent way to adjust market expectations without causing any sudden shocks. I see. And what about the weak yen? It's a side effect of the ultra-low rates, and it's been pushing up import prices and the cost of living. Could this put political pressure on the BOJ to exit sooner? The weak yen is a significant concern. If it continues to fall, that could indeed exert political pressure on the BOJ. However, from what we know of UEDA's cautious approach, it's likely he will tread carefully, even if that means risking further yen falls. Hmm, it's a complex situation indeed. So, the pressure's on for Ueda to strike a balance between initiating policy changes and managing the potential fallout. Thanks for your insights, Linda. My pleasure, Mark. It certainly will be interesting to see how this unfolds and what it means not just for Japan, but for global economic trends as well. Story number three. In a report from the BBC, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak held a conversation with billionaire Elon Musk at a summit on artificial intelligence. They discussed various topics, including the potential benefits and risks of AI. Musk expressed concerns about the destructive force of AI on traditional jobs, while also acknowledging its potential for improving learning and social interactions. The pair agreed on the need for regulation and oversight to ensure the safe development of AI. The event showcased the UK's ambition to become a leading hub for the AI industry. Wouldn't it be something, Linda, if all our jobs got taken over by AI? Work-free lives, as the article puts it. I can't help but think about what that would mean for our society, for our sense of purpose and achievement. It's a thought-provoking notion. As humans, so much of our identity and self-worth are wrapped up in our work. Without it, we could risk losing a sense of purpose, as Mr. Musk pointed out. On the other hand, it could offer an opportunity to redefine what it means to live a fulfilling life. Absolutely. It's like a double-edged sword. And speaking of swords, how about those killer robots? Now I'm as tech-savvy as the next guy, but the idea of humanoid robots capable of causing harm, that's a whole different ballgame. It's clear we'd need strict regulations to prevent misuse. Right. The potential for misuse of AI technology is something we can't overlook. The need for a referee to monitor these supercomputers, as stated in the discussion, seems paramount. It's also a reminder of the broader ethical considerations surrounding AI. It's not just about what we can do, but what we should do. It reminds me of the classic Spider-Man quote. 
With great power comes great responsibility. As our tech power grows, so does our responsibility to use it for the betterment of society. And I reckon that's a good note to end on. Story number four. Russia has launched its largest artillery attack on Ukraine this year, according to Ukrainian officials as reported by The Guardian. The top Ukrainian military commander, Gen Valery Zaluzhny, admitted that the war had reached a deadlock, with little hope of a breakthrough. Russia has bombarded over 100 settlements within 24 hours, including an attack on an oil refinery in Kremenchuk. The war has entered a stage of attritional fighting, with neither side capable of making significant progress. Zaluzhny stated that it would require a significant technological development to break the deadlock. Russia has reportedly received millions of additional shells from North Korea, enough for two months. Have you ever thought about how the nature of modern warfare has evolved, Linda? I mean, look at the conflict in Ukraine. It seems like we're stuck in a loop. Gen Valery Zaluzhny, Ukraine's commander-in-chief, compared it to the stalemates of World War I. Technological advancements seem to have brought us right back to square one. Well, I think it's a little more nuanced than that, Mark. The current stalemate may appear similar to the trench warfare of World War I, but there are significant differences. Today, we're looking at fortified defensive lines, drones, and systematic shelling. These are all modern warfare techniques that were not available in the early 1900s. Well, that's true, but isn't it ironic that all these advancements have led us right back to a standstill? You'd think that with all the tech we've got today, we'd have figured out a better way to resolve conflicts. I'd argue that it's not so much the technology that's at fault here, but our inability to adapt our warfare strategies. We're still stuck in the mindset of guns and bombs, when we should be focusing on cyber warfare, diplomacy, and deterrence. Well, I definitely agree on the diplomacy part, but the reality is that wars are still fought on the ground, and as long as that's the case, we're going to need a game-changer to break this deadlock. I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree on that one, Mark. But I will say this. The longer this conflict drags on, the worse things are going to get for everyone involved, especially the civilians. Story number five. According to the New York Times, NASA's Lucy spacecraft made a surprising discovery during its flyby of the asteroid Dinkinesh. The rock is actually two rocks, with a smaller moon orbiting the larger primary asteroid. This unexpected finding has excited scientists on the mission, who were already aware that Dinkinesh would be the smallest main belt asteroid ever seen up close. Lucy's main objective is to study two groups of asteroids called the Trojan Swarms, which are remnants from the formation of outer planets. The mission aims to gather knowledge about our solar system and its origins. Lucy will visit nine more space rocks by 2033. The encounter with Dinkinesh was not a scientific focus, but served as an in-flight test for Lucy's asteroid tracking system. Preliminary studies indicate that the larger rock is about half a mile wide, while its satellite is about 0.15 miles wide. The mission team hopes that studying Dinkinesh and the Trojans will provide insights into the history of our solar system. Could you believe it, Linda? The Lucy spacecraft making an unexpected pit stop at the asteroid Dinkinesh and finding it's not just one rock, but two. It's like finding a hidden treasure when you're not even looking for one. It's fascinating, isn't it? The unpredictability of space exploration never ceases to amaze me. What was supposed to be a simple in-flight test of Lucy's tracking system turned out to be a groundbreaking discovery. This just goes to show that sometimes the most exciting discoveries are those we weren't planning on making. Spot on, Linda. 
And you know, it kind of reminds me of the Voyager missions back in the day. Those spacecraft were sent to study the outer planets, but they ended up discovering a whole lot more, like the rings around Uranus and the active geysers on Neptune's moon Triton. That's a great point, Mark. Unplanned discoveries have a way of shaking up our understanding and redirecting our focus in space exploration. Just as the discovery of Dinkanesh's moon will undoubtedly lead to more detailed studies about the nature and origin of binary asteroids. And let's not forget the potential implications this could have for Earth. If we can learn more about how asteroids like Dinkanesh formed and migrated close to our planet, we might be better equipped to deal with potential asteroid threats in the future. And speaking of the future, it's interesting to think about Lucy's upcoming encounters with the Trojan swarms. Given the surprising discovery at Dinkanesh, I can't help but wonder what unexpected findings might await us there. Oh, I can't wait for that, Linda. These Trojans have been locked in orbit with Jupiter for billions of years, just waiting for us to uncover their secrets. And with each new discovery, we get a little closer to understanding our place in the universe. It's just dot 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 IT quote S just mind-blowing, isn't it? It certainly is, Mark. And it's beautiful how this mission, named after the Lucy skeleton that revolutionized our understanding of human evolution, is now set to enlighten us about our cosmic beginnings. From our terrestrial roots to our celestial ancestry, these explorations are all about tracing back our origins, aren't they? That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.